So it's a, we really want to welcome them to today's service. Now, for those of you who actually use the uh, outlines in the bulletin, I just need for you to make uh, one or two small changes. Uh, so if you are using the bulletin, you can open it up. Uh, actually, what happens is I've, I've added two more points. So uh, after point three, wisdom skill, you can put uh, point four, uh, wisdom's action. And then uh, number five actually becomes... Uh, Number, sorry, number five actually then becomes number five and number four becomes number six. But you get what I mean when I go along. Okay, let's open our time with a word of prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, we really want to pray that your word will speak uh, powerfully to us, uh, that uh, indeed Proverbs chapter 8 uh, will resonate with us because it truly tells us what we need to listen to in this world. And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, uh, when I was young, my parents uh, gave me this book. Uh, I'm not sure whether some of you would recognize it. Probably some of the older people uh, of you might recognize it. There's this book up here. It's a, a book by Dale Carnegie. And I think it's quite famous. It's called How to Make Friends and Influence People. Actually, no, it's How to Win Friends and uh, Influence People. I thought it was Make Friends and Influence People. But uh, my parents gave it to me. And I, you know, they said, you must read this book. And I did read it. And I thought it was quite helpful. And obviously, it uh, was quite a bestseller because, as you can see by the title, uh, it's got more than 15 million copies uh, that have been in print and date or have been read. Okay, now, um, I'm sure many of you have gone to bookshops. Uh, actually, maybe some of the younger ones of you don't go to bookshops anymore. You just uh, go to Amazon. But if you go to Amazon and you go to the self-help section or you go to Kinokunia and you go to the self-help section, there are thousands, literally thousands of books there which will tell you how to live your life. And indeed, if you open a newspaper every day, there's a section there on how to live your life, and digital life, and you know, mind, body, and soul, and the living section. And uh, I was just going through um, the Amazon uh, guide to the most uh, popular self-help books. And if you look up here, right, the, the, apparently, if you, as of yesterday, when you go to Amazon, you put down self-help bestsellers. This is the most best-selling self-help book today, but I've never heard of it. And it's called Fully Present, right? So it's a book about how, you know, you live right in the present today. And the other books which uh, I've sort of read as I've gone along, next slide. Okay, Think and Grow Rich. Okay, next slide. Okay, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. And I'll show you, if you've not not heard of all of them, you've probably heard of one or two of them. Now the question that uh, I want to ask today as we look at today's passage, and Proverbs chapter 8 is, what is the Bible, what is Proverbs uh, particularly, in com- comparison to all these uh, books that we see out in the self-help uh, sections of uh, Kinokunia or in Amazon? Is, is the Bible or the book of Proverbs just a glorified self-help book? Right? What's the difference? Why should we listen to what we read about in the book of Proverbs compared to what we can read about uh, if we download these books from Amazon or if we buy a book from Kinokunia? I mean, obviously, if you read some of these books, they are... They're really interesting and they seem to be really relevant to uh, making friends, getting rich and uh, having really successful habits. So why should we listen to what we're reading in the book of Proverbs? Because obviously it seems a lot harder to read and a lot more complicated and a lot more distant from our our present situation. Well, if you look at chapter 8, you need your Bibles with you. If you don't have a Bible, just put up your hands and uh, don't feel shy. Uh, Richmond will bring it to you. Anybody even need a Bible? Yeah, at the, uh, the front here, that uh, maybe two or three people need Bibles. Okay, if you look at chapter 8, which is up here, <coughs> uh, it starts out by saying, Does not wisdom call out? 
and does not understanding raise her voice on the heights along the way where the paths meet, she takes a stand. Beside the gates leading into the city, at the entrances, she cries aloud, To you, O men, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple gain prudence. You who are foolish gain understanding. Listen, for I have worthy things to say. I open my lips and speak what is right. Now the first thing we notice here is that, uh, as you've seen, we looked at chapter 1 of Proverbs uh, two weeks ago and then Proverbs chapter 9 last week. But you see here that uh, in chapter 8, wisdom has taken on a personality, a character, right? She, she, she's personified as a, as a woman, she. And it seems as if biblical wisdom here in uh, chapter 8 uh, finds herself on a marketing campaign. Right? She's out there and she's advertising herself, right? And it's almost as if, uh, according to the description in verse 1 to 8, that she's everywhere along the heights where people meet, the high places, Okay, the paths where people meet, the crossroads, like if you think of Newton Circles or something like that, at the gates of the city, at the entrances. It's almost as if what is being said here in chapter 8 is that wisdom is advertising herself everywhere. Uh, you know, she's, she's in the leaflets in your post box when you go home, in your HDBs, or there's advertising in MRTs or on the buses. Uh, there's advertising on the radio, you see on television, and advertising is calling out to the whole world. And why does advertise, wisdom seek to advertise herself, godly or biblical wisdom, why does she seek to call out to everybody in this mass marketing campaign? Well, in verse 4, it says that wisdom calls out to everyone, isn't it? Verse 4, to you, O men, I call out, I raise my voice to all mankind. So the reason why uh, wisdom calls out in every place, in everywhere, this is godly wisdom that I'm talking about, is that she is relevant to everybody. There is no one who cannot benefit from godly wisdom, from the wisdom in the book of Proverbs, from God's wisdom. In fact, it goes on to say, if you read uh, your Bibles, that she is relevant from the very lowest of society to the very highest, from the most knowledgeable to those who have no knowledge at all. So look at what your Bible says in verse 5. <coughs> it says, You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, gain understanding. But then in verse 15, it says, By me kings reign, and rulers make laws that are just. Verse 16, By me princes govern, and all nobles who rule on earth. So, the, the wisdom that is found in the book of Proverbs, godly wisdom, biblical wisdom, is relevant for everybody. For those who are simple, right? For those who are rulers, from every strata of society, they need to listen to wisdom. Now, what we see right at the very beginning is no different from uh, if you ever get the flyers. You know, sometimes you get flyers for real estate agents right, in, your, in your post box. Right? And you know, they're always like pictures of very attractive men or women. Right? They, they look as if they've been photoshopped a bit. And they're always telling you, you know, Buy from me, you know, call me, call me, right? And they, was, they have all their credentials. You know, like I've sold how many million dollars worth of houses. I'm very polite. I'm, I've got all these qualifications. I'm very friendly, you know. <clears throat> and that's what uh, chapter 8, uh, verse 1 to 6 is really all about. It's like wisdom is seeking to, to advertise itself and, and it's sort of saying, what, what are my credentials? What are the qualifications that I have? No, choose me, choose me, choose me as the wisdom you should follow, as opposed to choosing other wisdom. 
And uh, today we're going to focus particularly on verse 22 to 36 because obviously that's what our Bible study passage was looking at. But I think that uh, verse 22 to, 20, to, um, to the end, verse 36, brings out a very important point of why we need to listen to godly wisdom. So in verse 22 to 26, um, this is what wisdom says about herself. These are wisdom's credentials, her qualifications of why you should choose godly wisdom or biblical wisdom. Verse 22 says, The Lord brought me forth as the first of His works, before His deeds of old. I was appointed from eternity, from the beginning before the world began. When there was no ocean, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills I was given birth, before He made the earth or its fields or any of the dust of the world. Now, this first section, if you want to uh, highlight it in your, your uh, Bibles, whatever, is the first section uh, which talks about the quality or the pedigree or the credentials of godly wisdom. And what is it saying? Uh, what, is it, what is its point? Well, basically, it's just trying to say that wisdom is a very old wisdom. Uh, the wisdom that we find in the Bible is very, very old. It begins in verse 22 by saying that wisdom was the first of the things that God brought forth before the creation of the world. Before even anything was made, wisdom was there. And uh, if you look at your Bibles, I don't know about your ESV Bible, but in your NIV Bibles, and mine anyway, in verse 22, there's a translation which can be given in the footnote. Instead of saying, the Lord brought me forth as the first of His works, it could say, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of His work. Now, uh, bring brought forth is the idea of giving birth. And possession is the idea of having something. Uh, and it's, it's not very different from today when couples or you know, people who are married have, have babies. So they will say, uh, that family, the wife is giving birth to a child. Or you will say, that couple is having a baby. Right? You know, the one idea is giving birth, the idea is the idea of having something. And that's what verse 22 is all about. It's the idea that God had or, or brought forth wisdom before the creation of the world. Uh, that's one of the credentials of wisdom, that she is very, 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 very old. But look at verse 23, because it actually says it is not just before creation that wisdom was there, but it says there in verse 23, I was appointed from eternity, from the beginning before the world began. So wisdom is not just uh, before creation, it is from eternity. And verse 24 to 26 uh, is like poetry. So remember we said that... uh, the book of Proverbs has different styles of literature. So verse 24 to 26 is like a poem. And the whole point of the poem is to show how old uh, wisdom is. So she says, look, before there were oceans, I was given birth. Before there were springs abounding in water. Before the mountains were settled in place. Before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the earth and its fields or any of the dust of the world. Now, when you think about that, uh, you sort of think, well, you know, you know, Proverbs is kind of like uh, keeps repeating itself. But the the point that the writer is trying to impress upon us is that the the wisdom of Proverbs uh, comes from a time which is 
way, way, way long, long there into, into eternity. Now, we have a saying, right, if, if something is really old, uh, that something is as old as the hills. Okay, now that's not a, that's not a compliment, right? Someone says to you, you're as old as the hills, right? I mean, you're basically saying someone is really, really old. But what is being said here is that wisdom is saying that she's even older than the hills. She's even older than before the hills, even before the dust of the hills was here. And that's one of the reasons why we must listen to biblical, godly wisdom which is found in the book of Proverbs. Because she is eternal. She is ancient. She is before the world. See, God's wisdom is not a fad. Uh, You know what a fad is? A fad is something which exists or is important for only a certain time or a certain era or a certain place. You see, you think of some of the books uh, that I pointed out to you before, like uh, this Dale Carnegie, Carnegie book. Um, I think if you go to the bookshop now, or if you, even if you go to Amazon, uh, this book is not very popular anymore. I mean, people have moved on from this book. Right? Dale Carnegie, he's not the in thing anymore. Uh, next slide. So even this book, uh, Napoleon Hill, which was a very, very famous book in, my, uh, in the 70s, again, it's not very famous now. People have moved on to uh, rich dad, poor dad. Okay? So, next slide. So, like, even the seven habits of highly successful people, it, it was only around maybe a few years ago, but now people have moved on from that. So, wisdom, worldly wisdom, that we see, you know, on Amazon, or in the self-help sections of Kinokunia, they're relevant, but they seem to keep changing, right? It seems to be like a fad. Uh, there seems to be a time limitation to that sort of wisdom. There's almost like an expiry date to that wisdom. But the wisdom of the Bible is eternal, it's ancient, it, it, it's from the very beginning. Isaac Newton uh, was quoted as saying, If I have seen further, uh, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants. So Isaac Newton said, if I can see further than other people, it's because I've stood on the shoulders of other people that have stood before me, and they were giants themselves. And that's that's what human wisdom is like. Because we spend the first, I don't know, uh, primary six onwards, or even kindergarten all the way to 20, about the first 20 years of our life, learning and learning what other people have discovered, and then we actually do new work of our own. Because... We, we are limited in our thinking. We only live maybe a hundred years or the most. So we, we always have to go back and learn what other people have discovered and then build on that. And that's why the invention of writing, uh, the invention of the printing pe- press, was so important because it allows us to build on the knowledge of other people. But the wisdom that uh, we see here in chapter 8 calling out to us is not that sort of wisdom. It's not the wisdom of an age of a limited human understanding, but a wisdom which stretches all the way from even before the beginning of this world. So to compare the wisdom of this age to God's wisdom, is like comparing the wisdom of a one-week-old baby to the wisdom of a PhD holder. Right? You know, can you see the comparison? Because the baby has only lived one week, but the PhD person, he's lived for years and years and years and he's done all his research. Well, in the same way, 
the wisdom of God from eternity is like that. He knows everything from the very beginning to, now, to, to beyond that compared to our limited wisdom. And because of that, we must always listen to God's wisdom. Uh, God's wisdom will always trump human wisdom. So last week, uh, during my day off, I went to the National Museum of Singapore uh, with my family. Now, you know, if you want to go, it's really good to go. It's, I think it's up to the something in February. There's an exhibition called Dreams and Reality, uh, which is a collection of art from the, the Paris Museum, which is being renovated from the mid-1800s to the 1900s. So you've got like Monet, Manet, Degas, Vincent van Gogh, Cezanne. If, if that means nothing to you, then it uh, doesn't matter. You can Google it or something, right? But they have all these wonderful paintings and, and, and um, one section of the artwork uh, was about the Industrial Revolution and about how they were painting uh, all these uh, pictures of people who struggled with, uh, you know, the conditions of the Industrial Revolution and the booms and the busts and those pictures of people old age, people with, you know, pictures of landscapes where there's nobody there and it's very sparse and people are very down, right? And I was sort of reflecting that a thousand years from when those pictures were painted, the originals that we saw, we still struggle with those same issues of uh, the economy. People are poor, people struggle, there's recession, people still out of work, uh, people still have booms and busts. And, and even with all the wisdom that we have, right, from Harvard University and Oxford and Cambridge, we still cannot solve the problem of economic booms and busts. We still cannot solve the problem of poverty. And why is that? Well, the answer is found here, isn't it? Because our, our minds are limited, our knowledge is limited, and we, we do not see the complete picture because we have not the wisdom from the beginning to the end. So what's good in terms of wisdom for business is bad for the ecology. What's good in terms of the ecology is bad for business. Uh, what's good for politics might not be good for peace. And what's good for your finances might not be good for your physical and mental health. See, we do not have the capacity to be able to, to grasp wisdom in that big scale to be able to understand how we should live. So wisdom says, listen to me because I'm from the beginning. I know these things. Then wisdom goes on to say, in verse 27, right, wisdom verse 27, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary so the waters would not overstep his command. And when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. So wisdom, first off, is not just old and ancient and eternal, but wisdom actually takes part in the creation of this world. That's why it says that in verse 30, right? Verse 30. I was a craftsman at his side. So God used wisdom hand in hand to, to create this world. And again, there's a lot of poetry and poetic language there, but there's a lot of construction language. 
Right? So I put all the construction language for you in yellow, right? I, he says, I was there when he set the horizons in place. That means when he put the planets and the universe in place, wisdom was there. When he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, okay, that means when he separated dry land from water, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary so the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was a craftsman at his side. See, see the language here recalls the idea that God has built an ordered world, a world with fixed boundaries, with rules and laws. And he did it because he worked through wisdom. But in verse 30 and 31, um, wisdom goes beyond that. He says, look, not only was she involved in the creation of this world, but she created mankind itself. In verse 30 to 31, it says, I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence and rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. See, so wisdom was not just there in terms of creating the stuff of this world, the matter of this world, but wisdom was there and God worked through wisdom to create life and life in mankind. So, again, if, for those of you who read the Bible, you can't help but remember what it says in Genesis chapter 1. Because in Genesis chapter 1, every day, except for the second day, when God created the world, He ends it by saying it was good. First day, it was good. God saw it was good. Second day, it was good. Third day, it was good. Fourth day, you know, every day it was good. But on the last day, on the sixth day, before the rest day on Sunday, God created man, it says, in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female created them. God saw that all he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Now, wisdom delights together with God. Because everything that God made was good. It was good, it was good, it was good, it was good. And on the sixth day, with the creation of mankind, it was very good. And wisdom says, oh, I was there delighting with God in this wonderful world that God had made. So, why do we need to listen to godly wisdom, to biblical wisdom? Because God's wisdom uh, is what creates this world. It is, like the, it is like the source code of this world. So I don't know this very well because I'm an, I was an accountant before I was an IT right person. But apparently, you know, like um, uh, when you do IT, there's this thing called the source code, right? And the source code is very important because then it helps you understand and develop applications around it. So that's why companies like Microsoft and Apple they guard their source code, right? Because if you don't have the source code, you you can't work back to what it, it really was. You can sort of guess it, but you can't really get there. Okay, so uh, somebody in my Bible study who knows all this thing says, you know. The Bible's knowledge is like the source code, like you're given the source code to understanding this world. But if you just get worldly wisdom, it's just like observational wisdom. You're trying to work backwards from creation and trying to see what God created it for. So it's a bit like uh, for us uh, people who are not IT people inclined. Think of Coca-Cola. Okay, Coca-Cola. We all know what Coca-Cola is. Nobody knows the formula to Coca-Cola. You can try to drink Coca-Cola and recreate the formula, but you, you never quite get it. Right? But if, if someone could give you the formula of Coca-Cola, then you know, okay, this is how Coca-Cola is really made. And that's the same thing, you see. The Bible's wisdom is like that. She was there at creation. She knows how things work. 
She knows how man was made, how man is supposed to, to work, live in this world. So therefore, we don't listen to worldly wisdom, which is based on observation and working back from the world, but we learn from God's wisdom, which is, which is creational and which is revealed to us in the Bible. Now, a few years ago, <coughs> my uncle, who lives in Switzerland, every time he comes back to Singapore, he always brings all these knickknacks from Switzerland. Now, usually if he brings chocolates, we really appreciate that. But sometimes he brings back really weird things, right? Which we don't know what to do with. So, a few years ago, uh, my, my kids know this, he gave us this like UFO-shaped saucer thing with a string and a ball in the middle. And uh, he gave it to us and you know, we thanked him for it, he left. And then we opened it, we're like, what on earth is this thing, right? Okay, you put the thing, string, and you, nothing happens. Right? Then after a while, we just used it as a paperweight. Okay? <laughs> and then uh, many years later, I went to Johnson's house for Bible study and I saw his kids playing with exactly the same thing. And then apparently you're supposed to pull it and not start moving your hand, it gets faster and faster. And then uh, you're supposed to play this game with it and it strengthens your wrist. But you see, unless you read the instructions to the internet and try to figure out, okay, this is what the, what the inventor meant by doing it. All it is, is it's just something that doesn't make sense to you. And I think that's the same thing for us when we live in this world. We will never be able to understand how we are to live in this world unless we have the instructor's manual, right? It's like my parents, actually my dad, you know, he never understands how to work the DVD machine. He never bothers to read the manual. He always asks us, you know, like, how do you do this? How do you do it? Because he never reads the manuals to understand how it works. So we must always follow biblical wisdom. There was this uh, preacher called Vaughan Roberts, and he said that without biblical wisdom, there can be no real wisdom to know how to live in this world because we don't understand how it's put together. So he gave this illustration about how in England, one of the most senior justice, uh, senior judges, uh, this guy called Justice Courage or, or something, uh, gave a talk and he observed that actually the breakdown of marriage and family in, UK, in the UK was as serious uh, to him a threat as terrorism, crime, drugs and global warming. And uh, uh, according to this pastor, he says it's a good point because in, Ameri- in England apparently, they have a very high breakdown of marriages and families. But the problem is, without God's wisdom, they don't know what is the right model of marriage and the right model of family. So without God's wisdom, what is the right model of marriage and family? Is it the married couple family? Is it the de facto family where the couples just live together and say, okay, we're here together now, let's start a family? Is it the blended family where there are different partners which come in at different times and they share the parenting of the child because, you know, so I break out one partner, I have a child one, then I break out another one, then I have another stepfather? Or is it the gay family, like the Elton John family, right, where you have gay couples who have IVF with, fa- with children? Or is it the polygamous family where you have more than one parent in, in, in this family? Or even yesterday in the newspaper, I was reading the Straits Times that uh, nowadays people have, they were saying in, that uh, people have surrogate families, maybe it's better to have three people to make a baby. The husband, the wife, and then you get the egg and put it in the surrogate uh, mother because they said that the DNA of the surrogate mother helps the baby. Right, so, which one is the right family model? 
See, without the instructor's manual, you don't know. There is no clear guide as to what's right or wrong. And you can't find the answer through science. Right? Science will not tell you how to live in this world. I was reading again in the newspaper uh, that the, some scientists were said, saying that adultery is a natural behavior. Because uh, in the wild, there are some animals who uh, cheat on their spouse. Uh, or not, they're not married, obviously, in the natural world, but <laughs> cheat on their mate when the, the, the mate is not aware they will sleep, you know, go or run off and sleep, uh, make love to, to or have sex with other, uh, uh, you know, other females or males. But, but the problem is that how, how can you learn from science in terms of how to live that way, isn't it? Because then you can sort of say, well, the black widow spider eats the male spider after sex, so should the, should the female kill the, the husband every time she gets pregnant? Right. Does it make sense, right? Sort of groping in the dark. So therefore, uh, what this passage is saying is we must listen to godly wisdom. Why? Because it is the source code. It tells us how to live. Uh, because she was there when God made the world. See, the world is divided uh, into two sorts of people, I think. Uh, it's not between those who believe in evolution or creation, right? It's, it's, because many Christians believe in evolution and many Christians also believe in creation. But I think the fundamental difference is do you believe in chance or do you believe in uh, an, uh, wisdom? Uh, do you believe that this world just came about by coincidence or was an accident or do you believe that through God's wisdom things were created? Because when you look at this world there's an there's a orderliness, there's, a, there's fixed laws that have been put in place. And they've been put in place because God made this world through wisdom. Now, every year, there are prizes given out uh, for discoveries for scientists, you know, Nobel Prize and everything. And they're given lots of glory, honor and praise. But all these scientists have done is that they've discovered what wisdom created all those millions of years ago. They don't actually make anything, they're not creating new things, they're just discovering what wisdom already had created with God all those years ago. So rather than listening to what the scientists are discovering wisdom did, we must not just listen to what wisdom is saying right from the very beginning. So the first thing was that uh, we should listen to wisdom because she's very old. Second thing, we must listen to wisdom because she was there with God at the creation of this world. And she teaches us how to live in this world. Now the third thing is uh, in verse 32. Sorry, verse 35 and 36, sorry. So verse 35 to 36. It says, um, For whoever finds me, uh, finds life, and receives favor from the Lord. But whoever fails to find me, harms himself, and all who hate me, I love death. Now, here, it uh, sort of looks at things in a completely different perspective. It's not that wisdom is very old. It's not that wisdom is very skilled in terms of making the world. But it looks at the bottom line, isn't it? The bottom line. What do you get when you follow God's wisdom, biblical wisdom? The bottom line is you get life. If you, you know, it's such an extreme poetic uh, picture. So if you hate me, you love death. What an irony it is. If you hate godly wisdom, you love death. And I don't think it's talking about just uh, earthly life, earthly death. It's talking about eternal life and eternal death. See, think about it again. 
Um, when I showed you the books before, next slide. Oh, okay, don't worry about the books. I'll go back again, okay. Um, if you think about the, the books I showed you, what is the bottom line if you follow the wisdom of these books? How to uh, win friends and influence people? Well, the bottom line is maybe you get more friends and you influence people. Right, you get a couple more deals or whatever. Uh, think and grow rich. What's the bottom line of think and grow rich? Well, it's all in the title, right? Grow rich. What's the bottom line of uh, seven habits of highly successful people is to achieve your goals. Right, so I remember seven habits, if you ever read it. First rule is, be proactive. Second rule is, remember, you know, keep the end in mind. Okay, so it's all about objective-driven life. But the bottom line of godly wisdom, of biblical wisdom, is not more friends, more money, more objectives in your life. The bottom line of godly wisdom is to have life and to secure right, favor from God. Right, I mean, approval from God. That's what it says there, isn't it? Whoever, re- whoever finds me receives favor from the Lord. It doesn't mean that God owes you a favor, right? Okay? But you'll be blessed by God. And that's why over the last two weeks, as we look at Proverbs chapter 1, Proverbs chapter 9, it keeps telling us that the key is the first rule. Because the first rule tells you what's important. And what's the first rule of godly wisdom? Next slide. The fear of the Lord. The beginning, right? That's the beginning of knowledge. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 9, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and discipline. See, godly wisdom, the first preoccupation of godly wisdom is a relationship to God which leads to life and favor from God. You see, a life lived without eternal life or relationship with God is, is foolishness, is stupidity. You can have all the worldly wisdom, but if you don't have a relationship with God, and you don't have eternal life, well, that's, that's foolishness in God's eyes. But the problem is that worldly wisdom cannot establish a relationship with God to you. Without the revealed wisdom of God in the Bible, you cannot have a relationship with God. In fact, the Bible says that it's the very opposite, because if you rely on worldly wisdom, you will not have a relationship with God. See, 1 Corinthians, it says this, okay? It says this. I hope you can read it. If you can't, you can look it up in your Bibles. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is, his, where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through his wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and the foolishness to Gentiles. But to those God, whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. You see, if you try to find salvation or the knowledge of God through this world, you, you, you know, you'll find it all sorts of means, ways and means, right? philosophy, scholarship, wisdom. But you cannot know God through observing the world. You only know Him through the revelation of God 
in the person of Jesus Christ. And the person who seeks to only find a way to God outside of that revelation, well, according to this passage, is, is a fool, isn't it? It's foolish. It says very clearly in verse 21, the world through its wisdom did not know him. You cannot know God through your own intelligence and wisdom. You need the wisdom revealed uh, in the Bible through godly wisdom. So ultimately, when we look at the book of Proverbs, Proverbs is saying to us, listen, listen, listen. Because wisdom is wise and ancient. Wisdom is, is there from the beginning of the creation of the world. And wisdom will give you life, eternal life. In Proverbs chapter 14, next slide, uh, 12 and 16, 25, it says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. And it's one of the few Proverbs which is repeated twice in the whole book of Proverbs. Okay? Proverbs 14, 12, and Proverbs 16, 25. And I suppose when people repeat things twice, okay, they really want you to pay attention. Okay? I mean, usually you repeat things twice, like, you know, my study hard. Okay? Do your homework. You know, all those things are very important, see? Okay? And the same thing is happening here. So the book of Proverbs is saying, you must listen to this. There's a way which seems right to you, but near leads to death. Listen to what wisdom is saying. So in verse 32 to 36 of Proverbs 8 again, how, how are we to respond to this wisdom, this godly wisdom? Well, in verse 32, uh, this is what it says of chapter 8, right? Now then, my sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways, Listen to my instruction and be wise and do not ignore it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors and waiting at my doorway. Now, there are basically three things which are being said here, right? You know, if you know how important this godly biblical wisdom is, then three things you must do. The first thing is, listen, right? The word keeps being repeated there over and over again. Listen, listen, listen. Listen and do not ignore. Take it into your mind. Listen to it. Right, listen to it, absorb it, be like a big sponge, right, soak it all up. But it's not enough just to listen, because it says there, <coughs> verse 32, that you must keep. You must keep. You see the, the word there? The one in green? You must keep. Keep it. Obey it. Use it as the standard of how you should live. The rule, the pinnacle, right, the instruction manual of your life. Obey it. But the third thing is... Um, Actually, this green is slightly different from the other green, but you can't see it. Okay? Um, you must love it. You must cherish it. You, you, you know, it says that waiting daily at my doors. Sorry, watching daily at my doors and waiting at my doorways. It's a picture of uh, a real desire to want to, to encounter and listen uh, to wisdom. I, I mean, you sort of think, when is the last time you waited outside someone's door or, or watched daily at the doors? Maybe... I don't know, if you've got a girlfriend or boyfriend or who knows, right? But there's a, this real sense of enthusiasm and passion. You know, we don't just listen and obey the biblical wisdom, but there is a great sense of expectation of wanting to learn from biblical wisdom. Now, is that how we treat uh, biblical and godly wisdom? Do you listen? Do you obey? And is there a sense of real expectation and wanting to learn from godly wisdom or biblical wisdom? Um, because I find that for myself, there's a great temptation to listen to a lot of wisdom out there. Okay, just like Joah walking here, right? Getting distracted by all these people, crying out for all these different things. I mean, when I was younger, 
I used to read uh, the writings of a, political, a particular politician. He writes a lot and he's very prominent in Singapore. Okay, and I was very, you know, I thought it was very good writing. There's lots to learn from it. I used to read about uh, what my sporting heroes write or say. Uh, you know, you read the newspaper or you listen to friends who are influential in your life and they tell you to do various things. Who do you listen to? What, what is it that shapes your mind? What is your expectation of following? Do you want to follow what godly wisdom says or do you want to follow what other people say worldly wisdom says? Well, that's what it all comes down to, isn't it? Remember chapter 1, two weeks ago, uh, the, the wisdom says, you know, don't, don't listen to these people, don't mix with these people. They only bring you death. Well, that's what chapter 8 is all about. Listen, listen to godly wisdom and you will find favor and life with God. In conclusion, uh, we had these really good friends of ours in Australia. Actually, they're more my wife's friends than mine. They were both Christian. Okay, so two Christian people, they were married, and they, they decided to travel, cycle, I think, bicycle around the whole of Australia. Uh, they were really fit people, I presume. Okay, so anyway, cycle around Australia. Okay, that's not enough. Decide to travel around the whole world. Take a whole year to travel around the world. But then by the time they came back, uh, unfortunately they weren't Christian anymore. Right? They were not Christian anymore. Um, they had become greenies. They become environmentalists. Right? Uh, I spoke to this guy and he says, Oh, you know, yeah, Christian, yeah, sort of not really important anymore. I'm here to save the earth. So he doesn't eat meat, not because of religious reasons, but because you know, he feels that environmentally meat production is no good. No? Lots of methane polluted, you know, all that stuff. So, you know, his whole life now is taken up with green causes, you know, ecology, all those sort of things. But I was, you know, I was saying to them, uh, and they live in this house in the countryside, you know, there's like very little petrol, and you know, it's like all green, like everything is green. They only eat tofu and everything else. Okay, so we went to their house and all we had was tofu, so it was, it was interesting. Okay, but, but you know, you sort of think, I was sort of saying to him, but surely... You know, isn't this not as important as following God and following what the Bible said? He says, yeah, yeah, but you know, green is really important. I've got to do all this green stuff. But see, at the end of the day, what is it that you really, really uh, look forward to? What is it that rules your life? What do you listen to in your life which guides it, which is the standard, which is a priority, right? which is that pinnacle that is the guide of your life? Well, wisdom is shouting out, isn't it? Listen to me, listen to me. Right? Obey me, keep my words. Do not ignore me. Wait at my door, watch for me. And I think that we need to do that. Wisdom is ancient, she is eternal. She is the one who created the world with God. And she is the one who brings us the knowledge of God so that we will have life and life to the full. Okay, let's go to God in prayer. Dear Father, as we come before you today, Truly, we want to pray that we will listen to wisdom's call, that we will heed her call, that truly biblical wisdom, godly wisdom from your word will tell us how we must live rightly in this world, will tell us how we will gain eternal life, that we will be saved. Help us to turn aside from all the competing worldly wisdom voices out there, as attractive as they may be, which threaten to pull us away from what your word is teaching us and teach us to continue only to truly look forward to what your word tells us with great expectation and to listen and to obey it. 
And we pray for all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.